We're taking a trip to Hollywood and other places where wonderful films get made with our friend Matt Fagerholm. He's here repping IndieOutlook.com. He's here repping RogerEbert.com. And he's here as our friend that we haven't seen in quite some time. Young Mr. Fagerholm, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. You bring us lots of films today. Uh, a very uh, from like across the genre spectrum. Yes, and I'm so happy. But you know, we have to start with uh, <laughs> you know what we're I, earlier in the show. I was like thoughts and prayers to all of the parents who have to see this movie <laughs> every day until the end of time, or at least until Frozen Three comes out. Yeah. Elsa, the past is not what it seems. You must find the truth. Go north. Across the enchanted lands and into the unknown. But be careful. We have always feared Elsa's powers were too much for this world. Now we must hope they are enough. Frozen 2 out uh, this weekend. Uh, but if you're a parent, you know that. You knew that. You've been done knowing that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so where are we in the Frozen saga? Are, are we still, is it still cold out? It's still cold out. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's interesting that, you know, the big song from the last one was Let It Go, of yeah. course. And then, of course, no one ever let it <laughs> let it go. They really did go. not. They're still grasping. And now this one is uh, Into the Unknown. You know, Adina Menzel, one of the greatest voices, uh, you know, of our time, period. Absolutely. I mean, she's a great singer and uh, she gives it her all. But the funny thing is, you know, I just wish Disney would take its own advice about going into the unknown because this film doesn't really tread on any ground that I thought was all that particularly interesting or new or fresh. It was like, mm -hmm. let's just kind of do our own version of what happened in the first one. And in the, at the heart of all of this, you're, they're getting into some interesting commentary about like Native American genocide. Like it's kind of brought mm. up at one point and then it's just kind of okay. right in time for Thanksgiving. And then it's just kind of tossed away and never really dealt with. And that just kind of annoyed me. I was like, if you're going to really put this really important weighty theme into a kid's movie, maybe you should deal with it a bit more but no it's mainly just about slapstick with that snowman who i liked the snowman the first one he was okay i liked how low key was this one i just couldn't wait for him to melt i was like just give me the blowtorch and just get rid of this guy it's just i don't know you know i grew up with little mermaid and beauty and the beast yeah. and what i loved about that particular golden age of disney was they're looking to broadway for their inspiration we're gonna have these great songs that are in the style of a broadway show and the thing with the first frozen that they did an, an efficient job of was they literally just took all these Broadway shows like here's the writers of Avenue Q here's the funny guy from Book of Mormon here's the heartthrob from Spring Awakening here's the lady who sang uh, Defying Gravity and Wicked and just throw them in a big blender and it worked it worked well enough yeah. but it felt very calibrated to it just felt very you know very perfectly put together in a way that just felt kind of synthetic to me and this one it's just kind of it's a rehash it's a rehash without any really memorable songs but it looks nice the kids will probably enjoy it but I just, I, I, I think I already forgot most of it already, <laughs> to be quite honest. Well, so. I, you say all of these things and you know the reviews are going to say what, what they're going to say. But you know what? This it's going to be a big hit. so much freaking it's gonna money. It's going to be a big hit. And, and, and Disney Plus is, is, is uh, on the rise now, you know. But I really think what we're in the 
era of his Disney minus. It's Disney <laughs> with all the trappings of, yeah. of, you know, what defined the classics, but without kind of the soul, without Ooh. the real, you know, uh, journey into the unknown, into creativity and taking bold risks. You look at something like Mary Poppins back in the day, and that, that whole film was a risk. Every single technological idea was a risk, and I wish they would, you know, be okay with all the money they're making from Marvel and Star Wars and take a few more gambles in their own products. So that's... You heard That's just man. my little pep talk for that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the man. He knows what he's talking yes. about. But Adina sounds great, because she always does. And she her name is, is not Adele Dezeem, John Travolta. Not it's not Adele Dezeem. Don't ever say that again. Although, she should get a, an Adele Dezeem tattoo. <laughs> she like, should. <laughs> <laughs> I would if I were. It's 9.33 on the morning amp, powered by Vocalo. Uh, this weekend, we also, if you need like a warm, fuzzy sweater of a movie, a cardigan perhaps, one that zips, uh, well, maybe... It's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. I just want to hear the theme song. I don't have the trailer. I just want to hear. It. I just want to hear the song because it makes me feel good. Let's let's do it. It's a beautiful ah, day in this boom. neighborhood. A Coming down the stairs, changing my shoes, Would putting on a sweater. Could you be yeah, mine? Yeah, the piano crescendo. That's it's real nice. It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. I learned how to tie my Would shoes watching. Oh yeah. Could you be <laughs> Did you see the story? About the nursery, uh, the baby nursery in a maternity ward where they put little sweaters and little knitted no, uh, sneakers on all the, the babies. And then Mr. Rogers' wife came to the nursery to visit the babies. And oh, everybody cried. <laughs> I think on a week that we've just heard a testimony about impeaching the president, and a week where there have been school shootings, and a week that uh, has seemed as dreary as, as any that I can remember. Yes. This movie is just in time. Just in time. Just in time. It's a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood is the movie. The director is Marielle Heller, who is, I think, one of the best directors working today. Uh, and uh, I, I think they did a beautiful job of this movie. There's a lot of people, my parents included, that are very wary of this film because it's like we love Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers is sacred, and we don't want anyone even attempting to play him. But I think Tom Hanks... Is I mean, first of all, he's yeah, the only actor I can all, think yeah. of who is a big name who would be a good choice for the role. Also, uh, he captures the essence of him. He really does. He captures the inflection. He captures the warmth and the humanity and the gentleness, but also the humanity. Like, this guy had his own issues. He had his own anger. He'd pound the piano keys when he got mad. And I like that he doesn't just put him on a pedestal the whole movie. Like, you really get a sense of the human being that was there. I got a letter from Fred Rogers when I was five. Aww. I wrote to him, and he I was like a couple sentences, you know, I'm like, you know, five. And then he writes back several paragraphs in response. And it, they say in this movie, they also oh, yeah. said in the documentary, he would take time every week to answer all the fan mail that he got. And he would listen. He would, because that's what he would be. Like, it was like, you know, he... You know, he was religious, but he didn't like preach his religion like he wants to convert people. It's like he just yeah. demonstrated his faith and his belief in humanity through how he treated others and got people to, uh, you know, believe in themselves. And that's kind of what the movie is about. It's really Fred Rogers is a supporting role. And it's really this columnist who is really cynical, who came to interview him. And it's a true story. He wrote a great column about this, uh, you know, how his life is transformed from this encounter with Fred Rogers. And uh, it's a lovely movie. I will say to parents, though. It's not really a kid's movie. You, you, you might think, you know, kids will enjoy this. I think it's really more geared for adults, despite the PG rating. So, you know, just just take the kids to Frozen 2, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact about yes. Tom Hanks. Yeah. He found out last weekend, last Sunday, 
that he is actually related to Fred Rogers. I, I'm not surprised. The two are sixth cousins, <laughs> according to Ancestry.com. He said, it all just comes together, you see? Uh, he is playing Mr. Rogers. Uh, Ancestry.com did the work for him. Like, I don't know oh if gosh. they showed up at Tom Hanks' house <laughs> and, like, got some hair out of a hairbrush or just swabbed his mouth while he was sleeping. They don't go into it. So he's related to Lincoln and now Fred Rogers. So, so, <laughs> so I guess Jimmy Stewart will be next. You know, I guess so. All, all the great upstanding. They have a common ancestor named Johannes Meffert. All right. Yeah. And it sounds like a fr- like a land of make believe character or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rita Wilson, incredulous by the whole thing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they should do a movie together. Oh I keep wanting them to do a movie together. I would love that. Yeah. Just they could just play themselves. I would exactly. just watch them. I like, would just watch them for two hours. Out for like, just watching them going to see my big fat Greek wedding together or something. <laughs> oh my God! Talk. Please take my twelve dollars. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of uh, movies to talk about with Matt Fagerholm who's here right now from IndieOutlook.com and RogerEbert.com Let's talk about I'm really kind of excited about this one. I'm a big Ryan Johnson fan Me too. Let's talk about Knives Out He started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best selling mystery writers of all time Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. The night of his demise the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? (laughs) You think one of us, one of his family, killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Oh, I love a good murder mystery. Oh, yes, Knives, me too. Knives Out, a black comedy thriller produced and directed by Ryan Johnson, starring everybody. <laughs> Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield. Even the great Frank Oz is in this movie. It's first, like, appearance as himself, as a person, not as a puppet in uh, a long, long time. I, on film. Probably since the John Landis days. Man, this uh, is giving me <laughs> Clue the Movie vibes in a very real way. Yeah. And I mean that as the highest of compliments because Clue the Movie is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Yes, it's a lot of fun. They did a shadow cast at the Music Box not long ago oh, doing a Rocky Horror thing. That'd be amazing. Now, Knives Out is one of the most purely entertaining films of the year. I love this is coming out on Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great film to take your family to because it's about a messed up family <laughs> with a murder mystery tied within it. Yeah. And then Daniel Craig is this like foghorn, leghorn, southern accent drawl guy. <laughs> so unbond like and I who, love him I in say, that. I say, who killed the murderer? Yeah, he's like, oh lord, what's going on? <laughs> he's just got his thumbs and his suspenders. Yes, I mean, everyone <laughs> is a hoot in this movie. Christopher Plummer is just, he's 90 and he's never been Iconic. more magnetic in his life. He's just a ferocious actor. So did, much fun. Did Christopher Plummer have to come in on the last minute to cover it for somebody who I'm hoping not. Keep his camps to <laughs> I think he had this one right out of the gate. But I know. It's, he's he's going to be remaking American Beauty next. We'll just put him in all the answers. Fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what I love about Knives Out, 
apart from being so funny, so entertaining, so unpredictable, is uh, it also is an antidote to our very angry, very kind of racist times. I shouldn't say kind of racist times. Let's yeah. just say it. <laughs> uh, because it's also a commentary on white privilege. That's kind of the buried lead in the film. And there's a performance by this woman, Anna de Armas, who plays Christopher Plummer's assistant, who becomes more pushed to the foreground of the movie. And she becomes kind of our anchor and it's a wonderful performance. And I feel like Ryan Johnson, after he came off of all the uh, controversy about The Last Jedi, which was a Star Wars film I personally enjoyed. I loved how I bold and risk-taking it, yeah. it was. Uh, you know, there was a lot of racism thrown at one of the actors in that film, you know, for being an Asian woman. How dare she be in a Star Wars movie? There was a lot of this stuff happening. And he ended up writing Knives Out kind of in that period, in that mindset. And I feel like it almost kind of came out of that outrage of like, you know, really getting white America to sort of look at themselves in a mirror. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of really provocative conversations coming out of the movie. You're laughing, but you're also thinking quite a bit. So I think it's a brilliant film. I really ways. am looking for, this is one of the ones I've been looking forward to for all that cast, man. Come yes, on now. I know. Oh, Michael Shannon's so much fun. Jamie Lee Curtis. I could see a whole movie of just yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and Tony Collette sparring, just getting those two women in a movie. If they want to come on the show they can they'd be <laughs> fine michael shannon you live like i don't know like six blocks from here you can you can make it anytime. yeah exactly <laughs> uh do i want to see a marriage story yeah let's do that what i love about nicole she is a mother who plays really plays what i love about charlie he loves being a dad he loves all the things you're supposed to hate like waking up at night he's incredibly neat she's brave he's brilliant she's he's very, very competitive, competitive. Getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Mom! What? I realized I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. <laughs> I love this so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, marriage story sounds like a hoot. Well, and, and, you know, you were talking about how you're going to be getting, you know, screeners. A lot of films pile on top of each other. You get to watch at home. Don't have to go to the theater for, you know, it's and that's usually a privilege that is experienced by people who are members of the Screen Actors Guild or people who are members of the press or Academy voters. Now, just people who are Netflix subscribers. People, you know, yeah. there's so many people who subscribe to these streaming platforms. They're going to get at least half of the major awards contenders on their streaming platforms. And one of them is Marriage Story because right now it's in very limited release. It's only playing at the Music Box right now in Chicago. And it will be coming out on Netflix eventually. And this is, for my money, the best American film of the year that I've seen. Oh, wow. I think it's incredible. Are you just saying that because it's Scarlett? Scarlett Johansson's birthday right now? I'm not, but I didn't know that. So happy birthday, Scarlett. It's it's one of her best roles of all time and one of her best performances. But I love to see Scarlett Johansson playing a white woman for a change. Uh, Cheryl, <laughs> yes. It's perfect casting. Uh, but it's it's also a woman who's who like her her her, vo her voice has been smothered in this marriage. And uh, I, what I like is that the film doesn't really take sides. You really see how both of these partners, you know, how they're really best apart, and yet the challenge of then how they can sort of keep their family together, how you know keep their child and them somehow together. And uh, Adam Driver, he's an actor that 
annoyed me right off the bat because I didn't like him as that guy in Girls. Me too. Because I just didn't like the character because the character was so off-putting. But in film after film, he's impressed me more and more. And this performance, oh, yeah. I think this is the only performance I can think of that's on par with Joaquin Phoenix and Joker for Best Actor this year. I think wow. he is... He could be the front runner. It's an, but really, Alan Alda in this film. Alan Alda, who has uh, Parkinson's, his hand is shaking, and he's still absolutely incredible. He's like, Alda I don't so care. Much. I have Parkinson's. I'm still an amazing actor. I'm going to go out and do this movie, and he's great. Laura Dern has a monologue that I think just might win her the supporting actress Oscar because she's playing the lawyer of Scarlett Johansson. At first, she seems kind of funny and sort of like kind of shallow, and then you find out no, she's actually a brilliant lawyer, and she gives this monologue about the Virgin Mary. That is like such a great commentary on just like patriarchal control in society and how we view women and how we view men and how the women always have to be the caregiver and the mother and the men can be cool and distant. And it's an uh. amazing monologue. Uh, so I don't know. I, I really can't recommend this highly enough. Ray Liotta, you heard him a bit I at the end. Is, uh, Adam Driver's lawyer and uh, and Julie Haggerty, the mother who's like freaking out, who's, you know, Scarlett Johansson's mother. And she's still such a friend of Adam Driver's. She's like, Mom, you can't be friends with him anymore. We're getting a divorce. She's like, I don't care. I still <laughs> like him. And I just love Julie Haggerty because she's from Airplane. She's from What About Bob? So many of my yeah. favorite comedies, and she's still herself, her hilarious self. So yeah. Let's talk about uh, Waves. Uh, I uh, I love a good black love story. Yes. Well, it's 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 really it's a it's a family story. It's really oh. it's 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 about this family. Sterling K. Brown is the father, uh, you know, and he's, you know, kind of a hard head, but he clearly loves his kids. And he tells his son, played by Kelvin Harrison Jr., he's a fantastic actor. He says, you know, we don't have the, uh, you know, you know, we, we, we can't just be average. You know, we don't have the privilege of just being average. We have to excel more than everyone else around us. And it pushes the sun almost kind of over the edge. And what's interesting about the film is it's kind of separated into two parts. So the first half is really following the sun as he's kind of making these choices and all this paranoia in the world's kind of closing in on him. And they do a really interesting thing with the aspect ratio in this movie where it kind of condenses in ways that it's not really intrusive. It's just, it's like almost chapter markers as his world's kind of closing down. And then the film kind of shifts halfway through to really focusing on his sister. And his sister is played by this actress named Taylor Russell, who is just such a revelation. She's incredible in this movie. She she got a Spirit Award nomination for Supporting Actress, but they're really kind of leads. They're kind of co-leads, her and Kelvin, because they each are like the leads of their each half of the movie. And you see how these characters, even though they don't interact very much, it's like they're kind of spiritually bonded as siblings and how they kind of impact each other. And the director's Trey Edward Schultz. It's the best thing he's done. I, I really love this film. It's a really fantastic movie. So. Find it where you can find it. And it's Squeeze out now. It in, and yes. it's out right now. Yes. Uh, and if you have on the upside of close to four hours to kill, maybe <laughs> the new Martin Scorsese film is for you. Let's talk about The Irishman. Yes. Well, and The Irishman, again, it's it's going to be on Netflix uh, around uh, Thanksgiving. So it'll probably be heading out of theaters soon. But I had the great opportunity to see it at the Landmark mm. in Chicago. And people were coming in from Indiana. People were, you know, because there's not many... F- theaters playing these and but a lot of people want to see Scorsese on the big screen sure and even though it's three and a half hours and I know exactly where I'd put the intermission by the way I even know exactly where I'd put it you're gonna have to tell me because it's gonna if it's gonna <laughs> be on Netflix I got other stuff I need to do exactly I can, I you can kind of pause dog. it you know you can watch <laughs> 30 minutes here 45 minutes there but for me the, the the time flew by because you're seeing some of the greatest actors of all time working together and it's very much a meditation on all the themes that Scorsese's done, but from like an older 
you know, more reflective period of the consequences of living a violent life. And it's about the guy who was working with Jimmy Hoffa, you know, Al Pacino. And this guy said, you know, you know, towards the end of his life, he said, I know what happened to Hoffa. I know how he died. And so that film is kind of recounting what this guy said led him to his death. And what's what's really fun is that Al Pacino you know, is getting in touch with the the actor, the the scenery chewing part of himself that I thought had just gone extinct. I thought he was doing more restrained work and he was doing it beautifully. But here it's like he's, t- <laughs> there's a scenery just, you know, gives it to these guys in this boardroom. He's slamming his hands and it, it's, it's magical to see. It's like I didn't know Pacino <laughs> was still capable of doing those big, you know, big boy caprice, <laughs> Scarface, nice. meltdowns, and he's so entertaining. And then Joe Pesci, who I haven't seen in, Forever, obviously, in a movie, uh, so wonderful, so 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 snake-like in terms of how he's manipulating everyone. He seems like a really nice, warm guy, but there's a lot of evil intention there. And then De Niro, who's playing a guy who's you know again he's tough, he's De Niro, but he also is always kind of uh, scattered. He doesn't know how to put his words together in a way that makes sense, and it's he's very. Uh, kind of vulnerable in this film. And uh, they just worked off each other great. So it was just great to see them all together again. So. Where can people find your work? What do you got up your sleeve at Roger Ebert and Indie Outlook? Yes, well, on Indie-Outlook.com, you can see my interview with this amazing documentary filmmaker, Lauren Greenfield, about her film, The Kingmaker. Everyone should check out The Kingmaker. It'll be on Showtime. And then on RogerEbert.com, you can see my interview with Trey Edward Schultz, Kelvin Harrison Jr., and Taylor Russell of Waves. That's on the site there. And uh, yeah, so... Got many more films right before the end of the year. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> All well, piling up. We'll have you back soon. We need the Matt and Reggie show in yes. this room. A little Oscar talk, perhaps. Yeah. Get closer. All on the there. films. All the film awards.